Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to our patrons, including Mike Burek, Tom Edge, Al Struthers, Steve Prigg, Andrew McNorris, and a whole bunch of people uh, who are listening to us live in our chat room at the moment, and they are all supporting us directly. You can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show, our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show Extra Message, uh, and a whole bunch more, our live streams, and many other things by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Now, Ian, I'm afraid, isn't here because he got stuck in his Reliant Robin down, uh, driving down to his palm reading uh, convention. But that's fine um, because we have instead a second best, Andy Hoyle from CNET. Hi, I am second best, maybe even third, depending on the conditions at the time. Yeah, um, well, Andy is both CNET and my brother. So I'm not all of CNET, crucially. I am not it embodied. No, but... Quite a few of us. Yeah, but you are here, and that is important. And Luke in our chat room says, you're the best, Andy. So we that know is... who will be being kicked out of the Discord That's for true. disobedience. Also, I must say that I'm not here. I would argue that you are here because you've come to my home in Scotland to record. I was already here. You are here. That is a fair point. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am up in Edinburgh at the moment, um, hence the slightly different sound quality. Um, but hopefully the content will be unaffected by Andy's presence. Um, let's find out, though, with our first news story. 9to5Mac wrote that EE has announced a new partnership with Apple by launching an all-in-one iPhone plan that comes with Apple Music, Apple TV+, and Apple Arcade. Uh, the blog said that the new Full Works plan offers three add-on options, allowing EE customers access to all of Apple's content services, although I did note that it does not include News Plus, or at least uh, not at the time of recording, at no additional charge beyond the price of the plan. And lower tiers also allow EE subscribers to select just one of those things as a free benefit. The Full Works package comes with an iPhone 11 Pro. You get unlimited data, unlimited calls, unlimited texts and apple music and apple tv plus and apple arcade for 77 pounds a month um and there are some other services that that come without everything bundled at once for 68 quid which when i think about it doesn't sound like a terrible deal no it doesn't sound like a terrible deal but to me this, this, is, this is honestly the first time i've, I've heard this because I, I haven't covered this but the thing that thing that's particularly glaring to me is that Apple is about to launch a new iPhone with 5G. Yes. And oh, so, I see. So, so like it's you're signing up to this big thing for an existing phone. Like it's there. Oh, you know, get everything Apple does, and you know, certainly a lot of this stuff is is streaming subscriptions, which obviously is going to be a big benefit for 5G. So you're signing up to a big Apple Works deal right before they launch a new phone. So presumably, firstly, of course, they're trying to kind of offload some of their, their stock of the iPhone 11 Pro in or because they know that the new phone is around the corner. But I'm wondering what the price difference would be on 
an iPhone 12, for example, supporting 5G? Like, because I think EE, um, I, I don't know the price difference between their 4G and 5G plans. Maybe you do, Nate. They're pretty similar. Pretty similar. Because I know Vodafone doesn't charge anything extra. They just have yeah. plans, yeah. as does 3, um, although that's barely available anywhere. Um, I'm not sure about EE, um, but I, I would be interested to see kind of the price difference with a new iPhone on this. I I mean, I imagine the new iPhone will be slightly more expensive than the last one. And generally, EE is not the cheapest network, but is often the best in terms of performance. So it wouldn't surprise me if we ended up seeing this costing slightly more. But if if this was, let's say, let's say this was about 80, 89 pounds a month or 90 pounds a month, but you got an iPhone 12 Pro with 5G, unlimited 5G data, unlimited calls, unlimited texts, Apple Music, Apple TV, and Apple Arcade, um, all that together. That feels like a relatively accessible price as long as there's no upfront fee for the cost of the phone. I mean, I know we're talking £90 a month being accessible. I was going to say, a £90 yeah, but... a month. You could get a car for that sort of money every month. And let's let's be honest, like, uh, is Apple TV Plus a real draw here because it's expensive well bear in mind you get it for free for a year if you buy an apple product so i don't really know if that's a benefit at all if you bought an iphone from apple you would get apple tv plus yeah apple arcade you use a lot um and you seem to quite like it and apple music fine but you may already have spotify so um which is for you know on vodafone they do their entertainment deals so the the contract i'm on uh comes with a year of free spotify premium which i paid for anyway so in my head i basically that gets me 10 pounds a month off my contract so i think it it, i don't yes it's sort of cheap it's not cheaper but but richard's done the maths on this for us um and assuming a 24 month contract which normally these things always are that's um 1080 pounds a year for my made up 90 pounds a month subscription for a future iphone 12 with 5g so let's say that that's um, just over two grand for two years. If the iPhone 12 Pro with a medium amount of storage would probably be at least 11, 1200 quid, you're paying 800 pounds for two years of service, including the Apple subscription stuff. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't feel atrocious, but you're always going to find things are much cheaper if you go and buy the phone outright and then buy a SIM only deal. Exactly. And I would think even at 90 pounds, you're probably still going to have like 150 pound upfront fee for the phone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think maybe, maybe we shouldn't be considering this in terms of the iPhone 12 Pro, just be thinking it in terms of the iPhone 11 Pro because that's what is being offered. But um, I don't know. I think you'd really need to want to be fully in all of Apple's things to to want to pay this this sort of money and i kind of feel that if you are that keen on things like apple music and apple arcade that you want to pay that much money you're going to want the latest iphone well let's think about it in another way then because we're obviously only comparing uk offerings and there's no comparable offering from any of the other networks that bundles all of these things together again at the time of recording but if you round that up that's going to be in, in the us market for example that would be about what 11 about 110 dollars a month ish for an iPhone 11 Pro with unlimited data, unlimited calls, unlimited text, Apple Music, Apple TV, and Apple Arcade. So maybe if anyone in the in the US is listening, maybe there's a comparison over there or in your equivalent country based on it being 77 uh, UK pounds a month. And let us know if that sounds like a good deal wherever you are and, and let us know on UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. And there are a couple of things missing from these subscription packages, though, and Luke pointed one of them out earlier, which is that no iCloud storage subscription, which I agree would have been a great addition. Mm. I pay for two 
terabytes a month, and that costs me about seven pounds a month. Um, iCloud, you get about five or is it fifty gigs free? Or something? I think five five gig uh, for the for the free basic plan. Yeah. Then I think it goes up to fifty for two pounds a month, but then it goes up to two terabytes for seven pounds a month. Yeah, so th- there are some there are some options there, and Richard in our chat room says he wants Apple to upgrade beyond the two terabyte maximum, which I agree because I I hit that because I back up a lot of my um well all the podcast editing files and Final Cut edits and and a whole bunch of other stuff as well, so that would be great. Um, but that isn't included as isn't news at the moment. But it's an interesting offer, and it sort of feels like the kind of thing that Apple should probably be offering itself, and there have been reports that Apple is working on a single package. I think it's called Apple One. And in fact, I think Bloomberg reported that. Possibly while I was away. Maybe I you even wrote it. No, I didn't. It would, have been a, it would have been a German special. Um, but anyway, that's that's available now. So let us know if you plan on subscribing to it and any thoughts you have on that and how it compares maybe to offerings in your own country of choice. Let us know. UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. Amazon's top reviewers in the UK appear to have engaged in fraud, Andy. Fraud. Fraud. Fraud, Andy. Fraud. Uh, sorry for the um, the insinuation that, you know, maybe... I am a fraud. You are a fraud, but of course, we all know that. Uh, which has left thousands of five-star ratings in exchange for money or, or free products. The company took down 20,000 product reviews following an investigation by the Financial Times. Uh, and this write-up actually is from The Verge. Uh, The number one Amazon reviewer in the UK left a five-star rating once every four hours on average in August, and that was according to the FT's analysis. And many of these reviews were for products from random Chinese companies, and the person then appeared to have been reselling the products on eBay uh, and marked as unopened or unused. The Verge had a helpful explanation of some of the background here, and it wrote, Scams like these typically, typically start on social networks and messaging apps, such as Telegram, where companies can meet potential reviewers. Once the connection is made, the reviewer chooses a free product, then waits a few days to write a five-star review. After the review is posted, they get a full refund and, at times, an extra payment. Amazon has a specific rule against posting reviews in exchange for compensation of any kind, which includes free or discounted products. Um, But nine of the top ten reviewers in the UK seem to have broken that, uh, that guideline, engaging in suspicious activity. And the 20,000 reviews that were removed by Amazon were written by seven of the top 10 reviewers. So Amazon's done the right thing here. I don't think there can be any question that removing these, um, assuming they've gone through the due diligence of figuring out, yes, indeed, these are um, in breach of guidelines. I think Amazon's done the right thing. The more worrying thing really is how many of these people were apparently engaging in this. I mean... Apparently, nine out of ten of the top reviewers in Britain have broken the guideline that you shouldn't be getting kickbacks for positive reviews. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. That's really shocking because Amazon marks top reviewers as top reviewers. And I genuinely think I've probably read reviews on Amazon, given how much they've been using Amazon during lockdown. Um 
Well, I, 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 I think I think what actually they said is nine of the ten top reviewers, so the people who always do reviewers, that's not nine out of ten reviews generally. No, but top nine reviewers, UK. I mean, the top reviewers really was posting a review every four hours during yeah. August. It's a lot. Yeah, I know that's a lot. I'm just saying that that isn't what they're not saying is that nine out of ten reviews left by everyone in the UK are fake. It's not that rife because that would be an incredible amount of fake reviews. And this still is. Um, and it is, yeah, it's, it, you will have seen them, I will have seen them, and it, it's very easy then to buy products based on that, particularly because they um, they are also flagged as verified purchases from Amazon because these, these fake reviewers have bought the product, will then post pictures of them with the product, um, but they then get refunded by these companies for the product they bought. So it's very difficult to identify the ones that are fake, which is is worrying when so many people buy products based on reviews um i actually found this myself when I, I recently went camping and i was trying to buy a whole variety of different uh different things like camping stoves and it's basically the same stove rebranded as so many different companies they've all rebadged of had, it you fool they have rebadged it you fool me me the fool um and they just resold it with different names all of which had like loads of five star reviews and stuff and so it was very clear that these are fake reviews sometimes it is obvious and you do just have to now take any reviews with a gigantic pinch of salt. Make sure that you're trying to read the good reviews and the bad reviews to kind of see, um, uh, get a bit of an honest opinion. And if there's a new product that's got only four reviews, all of them are five stars, then probably worth kind of treating that cautiously. But it's another reason why it's still important to kind of go towards good, trusted brands. I ended up going uh, for some of the gear I'd bought more towards brands like Coleman and MSR. Costs more money than than the generic nameless ones, but you're getting. I have a bit more trust in kind of the products that I'm buying because they are from established companies. But that's um, okay for you because you know you're you're loaded and you you sleep on a bed of cash and you no, know your is, diamond no, shoes no, no, always fit true. You and the price difference was not actually that much for some of these for some of these things. Um, but it is, you know, going back to that old that old saying of buy cheap, buy twice, that is completely true with almost everything you possibly can. Mm. You can try and buy something and think, oh, well, yeah, this one is 20 quid cheaper than, than the name brand one. I'm sure it's fine. And then over time, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break quicker. It's not going to do the job properly. And you'll just end up wishing that instead of spending £60, you had spent £80 and just got the better one, which is going to do the job. Yeah, That is still very much the case, no matter what you're buying, whether it's clothes, whether it's um, electronic items, it's still worth being smart in how you are shopping. A couple of good points came up in our chat room while we've been talking about this. Um, one from Nick, who says... A few years back, you could also give a thumbs down to a review. Uh, I gave a review, uh, gave a poor review to a Chinese product and recommended a competitor. Written with a few days, there were 20 thumbs downs, which were uh, which relegated my review as being, quote, unhelpful. Can't do that anymore. That's a real shame. Uh, Luke mentions, though, that he tries to focus on the four star reviews and also points out that two star reviews are often uh, the most truthful as well. And I totally totally agree with that 100 yeah. percent. i think you know a two star and a four star review a four star means it's really good but there's room for improvement yeah and two star means it's really bad but someone's at least trying to be honest and say well this isn't just trying to get someone off the front page it's there's still some value in that product yeah i'd say the same for three stars to be honest because companies are just are not paying 
for they're not paying for four star reviews they're not paying for two star reviews certainly they're paying for five star reviews because that's how their product is going to is going to rank like amazon is basically the same as google where if you're not in the first page of results you're not going to get seen and so if they they know that if their product is five star then it's going to get it's going to get ranked way way higher um so yeah four four star reviews are always really helpful but just being careful if something seems too good to be true then it is um and it and if it's if it smells a little bit off you know it's like a chicken breast that you're getting out of the free out of the fridge if it doesn't smell quite right it's not worth the risk right away and how much do you charge to post a fake review about the chickens that you buy uh i was oh for for, for me oh, i charge a lot yeah yeah a lot yeah it's at least 40 pounds i will charge per breast per breast so for per... a full bird you're talking two breasts two thighs two wings yeah full birds a lot 400 pounds for a fake chicken review for five stars well, for four stars, because we've argued now that this is the most... I don't know where we're going with this. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, you've, you've got to be smart. You have, you have to be smart, and, and you have to just buy, use your head. And if, you, if there's something that is already expensive and you, you, you are going to rely on this thing, then don't buy a cheap, nasty version. I bought some binoculars recently as well, and I, uh, I just searched on Amazon for binoculars, um, and there were so many that were... Um, these just knockoff name nameless no brand things which were like twenty pounds but had you know five star reviews and all this stuff but they didn't have many five star reviews and I ended up going for a pair of Olympus ones and they were like three times the price I think I paid seventy five quid for them so yeah it's it's more money but this is a known brand that's trusted in that particular area mm. and so I'm thinking well this is a this is an item that I'm going to have for probably at least a a decade taking on holidays and and stuff so like it it makes sense over time to spend that that little bit more money that relatively little bit more money in order to get a product which i'm going to trust and i'm going to get full use out of long term well john in the chat just helpfully shared a, a, an amazon listing for a um a, a a rosewood latex chicken large um so it turns out you can buy chickens uh should we have a look at some of the reviews for this um, just have a quick look at what people are saying about this. Scrolling down, it seems to be quite highly rated. It is fifteen hundredth in pet supplies uh, in the UK. Is this chicken really forty-two centimeters? Answer: Haven't measured it, but it is big. My little Jack Russell loves it, um, so that's good. Someone asks, "How many eggs does it lay a week?" Lol. Someone says, "If you've ever kept chickens, you'd know that this old girl is way past laying." Um, and some other stories too. So I think, oh, someone actually asked quite helpfully, maybe, does it smell of rubber or chicken? Someone's answered, hi, these smell of rubber. Good to know. I mean, it's a rubber chicken. Anyway, um, if you've had a bad experience with buying rubber chickens, uh, how much do you charge per breast for a fake review? Do you give discounts for people who review the entire bird? Obviously, you can let us know how to avoid your reviews by sending us a message to uktechshow at icloud.com. Andy Efa was this week, uh, this past week, the annual German tech trade show. Some people call it the European CES. Some people call it hell. Yeah. Certainly, I have called it 
both of those things on occasion. Um, but this year was a bit different, obviously because of the pandemic. It was another example of a convention barely taking place. The majority of it took place online, although there was a limited in-person experience. Um, we thought we would talk about a couple of aspects of this. And on our main part of the show, I wanted to pick out a highlight that Andy had been looking at and, and was excited about yes. because there weren't many things to pick out, no. frankly, this year. And we'll come to that in the next part. Um, but you thought the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 2 was worthy of merit. Well, it's Why? the most exciting product of EFA. It's the only one that was a big that's been a big deal and technically it's not even an EFA product. Um but it's it's Samsung's next generation foldable phone. And obviously kind of the first generation didn't really do a lot to be that exciting beyond the fact that oh wow, it's a foldable phone because it felt very much like a first gen product. It needed a lot of refinement. The way that it closed was very clunky. It, the screen was sort of wobbly because it used a thin plastic. Um, and it had a, a tiny little outside screen that didn't really serve any purpose. So it, it kind of failed at, at being both a phone and a tablet. And Samsung has actually, to its credit, taken all of that on board. And it is basically made every change that it needed to. Now, I have not yet got my hands on this, fold, on this phone. Um, uh, some of our US team have done already and they are quite um, quite impressed with it. But they've made changes like it's got a bigger outer screen now. It doesn't just snap shut like one of those awful snappy glasses cases. You can now kind of hold it at different angles, which makes it very uh, very usable. It doesn't have a like a big thumb-sized screen cut out on the inside. It's now got a tiny little punch hole notch. Um, everything about it is just more refined. It's what you'd expect from a second-gen product. And I think it's it's at a point where it's actually worth kind of people paying attention to beyond it just being the first gen was basically only relevant to like tech analysts of like oh isn't this interesting this is what samsung's doing but really no one bought it beyond like a handful of deep pocketed enthusiasts well you i mean i didn't buy it cnet did oh i didn't spend i'm not spending it was two thousand pounds well this one's still 1800 pounds and i am still on the fence as to whether a folding phone in this way is viable i still think the the galaxy flip or is the galaxy z, z, z flip, z flip. Uh, as far as folding phones go it makes a little bit more sense because you get a form factor that people are we we know historically it works for some people it also means that when it's folded up it is physically smaller the thing with the z well the difference is the z flip is a phone that folds in half the z fold is a tablet that folds in half like that is kind of the difference because the, with the Z Fold 2, you it has a 6.2-inch outside screen, so it can work as a fold. But then you unfold it to a 7.6-inch uh, a tablet, basically. So you get that big screen experience if you want movies on the go, you want a game on the go, or actually work on it um, almost like a, like a full-size tablet. You can do, but yet it still fits in your pocket, whereas obviously normally an 8-inch tablet is not going to fit in your pocket. Whereas the, the Z Flip... Uh, is just a normal phone size when it's unfolded and it just becomes a bit more pocketable. Okay, so it's well, kind of a difference between those two devices. So let's look at some of the features then. The Galaxy Z Fold 2, 1800 quid, as we mentioned. It has a 6.2 inch outer screen. So that's what you see and interact with when it's clammed up, which is a lot bigger than the original one as far as I... It's, it's so much bigger. The, yeah. old, the, the previous one was genuinely unusable as 
a phone screen. It reminded me of those little screens that used to get on Windows Vista laptops for, for a very brief period around 2006, 2007, where it was, I can't remember what they called it now, but it was like, um, you know, you could just briefly check a bit of email or read a message on it, but absolutely nobody cared about it and it went by the wayside. Yeah. Um, but you open it up, you get a 7.6 inch tablet. Um, and this is where I think you notice the biggest difference between the two in that there's no gigantic notch that takes out almost the top right hand corner of the yeah. of the tablet it is it has a hole punch for the camera but apart from that it is a symmetrical screen like the huawei mm -hmm. competitor which we i think always agreed was the nicer looking of the two yeah. screens this also it, it uses uh, flexible glass which is sturdier rather than the thin plastic of the previous one so um there is still a crease but it's it, it is less obvious um in in more conditions apparently than, than the previous one about the same weight so it's a few grams heavier it weighs 282 grams so it's not the lightest phone in the world at all but obviously it is trying to be two products in one mm -hmm. um still has three cameras 12 megapixel main and a telephoto and a wide if memory serves i think the previous one had a 16 megapixel lens for one of them but i haven't got that much yeah scripts, the, the camera specs on this are not as they're they're not as good are, are they? no they're not as good and on the, the memory the, the previous one it was basically the same camera that was in the galaxy s10 which was a brilliant camera yeah. whereas this time they haven't put the same camera that's in for example like the note they have put in a lesser camera in an effort to bring the price down which i think is a big mistake because if you're paying that much money you want the best if i'm paying 1800 pounds for a phone yeah i will be very disappointed if the most important feature of that phone and i think the camera for most people is the most important feature. well of the second phone. against the big screen but sure well i'm making phone calls in fact who cares you don't need a phone call to make phone to make phone calls these no. days do you um but you um but you want a good camera and it's it's reduced those it's also reduced the amount of memory um, it, the maximum storage for the first model was 512 gig. This one maxes out at 256, which is a bit disappointing. There's no expansion slot for micro SD. And unlike most modern smartphones now, it's not water resistant either, which adds to the overall fragility that yeah. certainly in your CNET, well, it wasn't your CNET story, was it? It was Jessica Dolcourt's, I think. But in the CNET story said that, you know, there is still a problem with these phones feeling a bit fragile. Yeah, you also can't get uh, proper cases for them and on on my fold two thousand pounds i have shattered the outer glass casing of it because this the this this the case that you got with it is not a proper case doesn't doesn't work properly and other, obviously other companies can't do them um and also you can't protect the screen um so you know if you get happen to get anything caught in your pocket and it gets in there it's going to cause problems um, so that was the Galaxy Z Fold 2, which will be... Do you know when? Do we know when this is going to be out? It's out soon, isn't it? Soon. I imagine. Yeah, I think it's up, for so. pre, it's up for pre-order already, and I think it's due to ship by the end of the month. Okay. There was very little else that came out of EFA that, that stood, uh, stood out as being that interesting. There was a new NVIDIA... RTX 3090 graphics card, which uh, says it'll support 8K at 60 FPS, um, which looks like an upgraded version of the Titan RTX, yeah. which isn't that what you have? You yeah, have, I've got a Titan, Titan. Yeah, the 2080 RTX. So this is an upgrade for for, for that, um, but still not a great deal of anything usable on such a 
product out of the gate, so that wasn't massively exciting to me. Um, there were some new laptops. I think Lenovo had a new Foldy. What is it? The Yogi. The Yoga Nine I, I think, and yeah, you know, with there's, there's more things that are using like the new Qualcomm uh, uh, chips for laptops, which mm. also supports five G, and there's the new Intel Tiger Lake chips, which as all, as all chips are just. Uh, Faster and less power hungry. Yeah. Which is just the same thing that you could say about any new generation of processor for the last 20 years. Um, so, yeah. So that was it. But I mean, that was it. IFA used to be the place to go for so many launches. And I don't know whether it's just a combination of it being a poor year for tech and uh, obviously with a pandemic, but it felt like a very deflated collection of announcements this year uh, and makes me. Very hopeful that next year will be a bumper well, for all shows. And we'll talk a little bit about what the conference means and, and conferences mean in our extended version in a few minutes. Did you have a view on the product collection from Eva? Uh, uh, yes, but not, 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 a, not a comment that doesn't also run into the what is Eva like and is the conference dead for your Patreon-only stories. Right, okay. Um, well, first of all, if you have a view on the folding phone or if you think we've massively missed an exciting bit of tech from the show, then do let us know, uktechshow at icloud.com. As ever, we will endeavor to do some kind of a hands-on review with the Fold as we have done the previous models in due course. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup. Topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. We had some email that we didn't get to last week that I wanted to get to this week. Um, and this particular one that I've picked comes from Jermaine, who says, Hey, guys, and just for clarity, Pand, he means Ian and I. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. But for the moment, you can pretend you're Ian. Um, Hang on, let me, let me get even more furious. Yeah. Hang on. Dress like Noel Edmonds. And... Spike my hair up. Yeah. yeah. You there? Yeah. Okay. I've got a nice Paisley shirt on, and I'm angry at... Complain about shoehorns. Everything. Oh, my God. Sh shoehorns nate yeah uh he loves a shoehorn actually right uh jermaine says hey guys on one of the recent shows ian had a little throwaway comment but i don't think you guys touched on it at all he casually dropped in the concept of movie theaters becoming movie producers i think this is a potential wave of the future imagine if insert theater name here was the odian odian very good uh was the only place to go and see the new blockbuster from Dwayne the rock johnson while another theatre chain is known to specialise is producing great horror movies. I think in this upcoming era of having exclusive things in theatres might be a way uh, for these places to start to differentiate themselves from the competition. Keep up the snarkiness, Ian. That comes from Jermaine. So thank you very much, Jermaine. It's, a good, it's, a, good, it's a good comment, but it I is, hope yeah. that never happens because it sounds horrific. It sounds like we're, you know, if... if Why shouldn't it... they? Why shouldn't they? Well, if Netflix because... is going to take the latest... Uh, I can't I'm not saying why shouldn't they? I'm just saying, you know, like if if Sony released films that it only put only made available on, you know, like the PS4 movie 
network and stuff. Like that's, you're back to you spent a decade at CNET writing endlessly about the evils of DRM, yes. and now you're basically supporting the same thing. If you want to see this film, you've got to go to this specific movie theater, which means you've got to maybe get a train to the next town over because your town doesn't have an Odeon. Uh, so I don't know how you're not absolutely furious about this. Well, I need to pick up on just a few points of uh, slanderous slanderous pieces of libel that, that you just broadcast there. Uh, firstly, I was not at CNET for 10 years. I was at CNET for about three and a half years. Uh, secondly, I did rail against DRM, but quite specifically to do with music. Uh, and thirdly, the reason I'm not angered about this at all is because I don't go to cinemas anyway, because they are sticky, flawed places full of people I wish not to be near. So um, for all those reasons, just thought I'd an apology but, right no 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 apology because okay. my point still absolutely stands i think i think that would be a uh, a terrible system yeah mike in the chat room right now says that would be horrible for towns with one cinema very yeah. true and richard taylor says um that uh, the nearest odeon to him is about 60 to 70 miles away yeah so yeah i i mean i agree it's on the one hand it's probably not good for the consumer but i can entirely see jermaine's thought that if the cinema chains could do it in a way that made it appeal to consumers, it would be a very good way, at least, of differentiating those chains. Uh, maybe it's the kind of thing where if you want to go and see that film, you have to see it in that cinema for the first three months or something. But then maybe after that, it gets wider distribution online, something along those lines, perhaps. Maybe. It's like Disney taking its its films off of the streaming services when it launched Disney+, Plus, and then wonders why illegal downloads of its films spiked. Yeah. Uh, let's hear from Tom Merritt, who has been keeping his eye and ears and nose and I don't know what parts of his body he keeps to the ground, uh, but he does so feet. probably feet to, uh, to to bring you the wider world of tech news to your ears. Let's see what he's been talking about this week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Facebook threatens to pull all news from its service in Australia. India bans more Chinese apps. Microsoft has a plan to fight deep fakes. And whether Facebook's election advertising policy in the U.S. deserves to be called a policy. Plus, we talk about all the announcements out of IFA in Berlin, from TVs to chipsets to the trend for affordable 5G phones. All that and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Andy, for taking the time out of your busy morning to uh, do the show with us. Is there anything that we haven't plugged already? You haven't plugged my YouTube channel. Go on. Um, I uh, am a photographer and I do a YouTube channel about all my photography where I go behind the scenes on my photo shoots. Um, I'm hoping it's a very enjoyable watch as being interesting if you are actually interested in uh, in improving your photography skills you can find that at with andrew langson photography um, on youtube please head over watch my videos give me a subscribe um, my channel is growing and i've got some really cool stuff coming up as a result he so has do and that I, and i i i'm i i kind of take the piss out of andy but that's just what brothers do um but uh, but his video is very good the one from Efa is definitely well worth a watch i think that's on cena that's not on your channel isn't it that's on cena yeah um but uh, andy's been doing some macro photography videos that i found very interesting and has actually rekindled my interest in doing macro photography myself so we'll include a link to all of those in the show notes in the mp3 description if you just want to click through uh, and have a look at those uh, they are definitely worth your time uh, thanks again, Andy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Do check out the extra message that we did this week, if you haven't already. If you're a patron, we did um, probably, I would say, it's the most personal and the riskiest um, extra message episode that I've ever done. It's also the first time I've managed to get my mum on the podcast. 
Those are the first time that I've managed to get my great-great-grandparents on, well, any digital medium, given that they have been dead for several decades. Um, but it's an episode I'm very, very proud of. And uh, if you do get that as a patron, then please do give it a listen and leave us a comment. Um, it would be great. Thank you, everybody. And see you, well, in a week. Soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.